Good morning, Life Point. It's great to be with you here uh, this morning. We're going to read God's Word together, so please uh, stand and we'll read it together. We'll be in Jonah 1 this morning. And when I finish reading, if you could just say, uh, we'll all repeat together, uh, this is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Now the Word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, go out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done it as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Josh. Uh, Thank you guys for being here today. Uh, As we kicked off a new year, we are now three weeks into a new year. I hope that, uh, you know, uh, New Year's resolutions are, you know, this this thing that's just love-hate, right? I mean, you make them and you love it when you make them because you know you're making something that's going to do you good and then you hate it because you typically fall off the wagon in just a few days. Uh, I hope that, uh, you know, a commitment to church in the new year, it's a great time to turn over a new leaf, but I hope it's not just a resolution, but uh, a resolve, a commitment. Commitment, right? To that 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 you're going to uh, be in this thing, and uh, uh, thank you for being here last week. Uh, last week was a difficult week for me, but I think it was a step uh, in uh, toward healing. Many people have asked me. Pat, how, you know, how can we pray for you? And there are many ways, obviously. Uh, man, I just just pray. That's all I can tell you. The Lord will honor that. And uh, uh, and and I feel your prayers. One of the one, uh, Sundays just stink for me. I'm just going to be honest. I, I just realized and recognized this morning. It's just Sundays just stink. I think it's. Uh, I don't know if it's because Amy died on a Sunday. Uh, uh, morning, uh, and I was here and had to leave, and it brings back that memory. I don't know if it's because Sundays was just an anchor in our lives. 
uh, probably because of both, and there are other reasons, but Sundays are just very difficult, uh, and it's the, one of the most special days, and so uh, you could pray for that. Another, just, man, it's just lonely, to be quite honest. You know, I've got people. I'm not alone, but there is a place, even biblically, that only a spouse can feel in your soul in your life. Amy filled that hole big, and now there is a big hole there. And so uh, just you can pray for that, all right? And so thank you. People ask all the time, and so I just want to let you know how you can continue to pray for me and for our kids uh, as we uh, go through these, uh, these days. And so if you're here uh, today, you're a guest. Uh, you picked a good day to be here. Uh, we're beginning a brand new series today, as Josh read a moment ago in the book of Joshua, Joshua, uh, the book of uh, Jonah. Uh, uh, we are starting a new series going through the book of Jonah, and we're calling it Relentless. Now, many of you, most of you probably have heard at least, if you've not read the book of Jonah, then you have heard about Jonah. Maybe as a kid, you went to vacation Bible school, the story was about Jonah. Maybe you went to a Sunday school class at some point, you heard the story of Jonah. Either way, maybe you've heard of it, and maybe you can't really remember it well, but you think, well, it's about a man and a big fish, right? Well, yes and no. Yes, it is about a man, a man named Jonah. It is about a big fish, but it's really not about a man and a big fish. It's about a man and a big God, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and the fish is just sort of there being used by the big God. And so uh, we today are going to see a God, or through this series, who uh, has a heart and passion for uh, men and women, boys and girls of all nations. That's why uh, tomorrow is a very significant day within our country as we remember uh, really what the heart of God is about. Men and women, boys and girls, people of all nations. That's his heart, of all nations, right? Of all peoples. Uh, We're gonna see the story of a God who uh, is radically committed to the salvation of uh, lost people and he graciously invites us to join him on this mission. I mean, that's, that's what we're gonna see in the book of Jonah. And so our prayer for you as we go through Jonah, really for the next uh, four weeks or so, uh, is that, that, you, uh, that we will see a relentless God, uh, that we will become a relentless church on a relentless mission. That's our, that's our prayer for you over the next few weeks. Now, before we jump in, I, I wanna tell you the story of one of the greatest missionaries ever in history. He's a man by the name of Hudson Taylor. Maybe you've heard of Hudson Taylor. Maybe you haven't. Uh, read some biographies. This is a great one to read. Hudson Taylor was born in Barnsley, England in May 21st, actually, of 1832. Uh, He was born to a devout Christian family, and his mother prayed hard for him, and he was radically converted at the age of 17. And when he was converted at the age of 17 years old, almost immediately, God began to put a burden upon his heart for the lost people of China. Uh, China was really an unreached people at that time, and, and, and so there were you know, very uh, few missionaries and uh, very few Christians at, at all in China. God put a burden on his heart to go to China, or for the loss of China. And so uh, four years later, uh, in September uh, of 1852, he was 21 years old, he boarded a ship, he boarded a boat and headed off to China to share the gospel. He had no seminary degree. He had no formal education in missiology, but all he had was a love for the word of God and a deep commitment to the mission of God. 
And he knew that the lost in China needed to hear the gospel, and he was passionate about sharing the gospel with the lost in China. So he went to China, and uh, he, he began a mission organization that still exists today called the China Inland Mission uh, Organization. His goal was to reach the Chinese from the inside out. He spent 51 years uh, sharing the gospel uh, with the Chinese, and in 51 years, by the time he died, there were 100,000 Christians uh, in China. Today, over 100 million Christians in the country. Now, Taylor is one of the greatest missionaries ever. He's one of the greatest examples of, of a man who's committed to the mission of God, loves the word of God. Why did I share that when we're looking at Jonah? Because he is in dire contrast, really. This story is in dire contrast to what we're going to read and look at in the book of Jonah. You see, Hudson Taylor heard a word from God. And when he heard a word from God, Hudson Taylor went and boarded a ship headed directly to where God called him to go. In contrast, Jonah heard a word from God. And when Jonah heard a word from God, he, he didn't have a heart for the people of Nineveh. Uh, actually, he hated the people of Nineveh. And so rather than boarding a boat heading toward Nineveh, he boarded a boat going in the complete opposite direction, running from God. And so uh, we see here a, just a dire contrast in the two men. And so uh, Josh has read, I, I wanna go back and look today at Jonah uh, chapter one, verses one through three together as we dive in and begin to look at some uh, incredible uh, lessons we'll learn from this man. So, so let's read together. Now the word of the Lord. Now it's very important. Last week I preached about the importance of the word. Whether you're suffering in life as you are or you will, as I am today, or whether things are good in life or whether you don't know who to marry if you're single or how to discipline your kids uh, if you're a parent or how to deal with uh, you know, a, just a jerk of a boss, if we're honest, or, or, or a jerk of an employee if you are a boss, right? Uh, how to deal with all these things, how to resolve marital conflict. The word of the Lord is where you need to, 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 to go. It's where you need to seek. Please be committed to the word of the Lord. I mean, we have reading plans on our website. Please be committed to the word of the Lord. Uh, if you value, uh, you know, if you value your life, if you value uh, joy in your life, uh, be committed to the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go, into, to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. God's making this point of what's happening here, isn't he? I mean, you know, an important question as we start this is, who is Jonah? Let's get our mind around who Jonah is. Let's get the context of who Jonah is. Well, we have a breadcrumb here in the opening verse of the book. It tells us that he is the son of Amittai. And so that gives us a clue of some things in Jonah's life. If we go to 2 Kings 14, you're going to see that the northern kingdom of Israel is ruled by King Jeroboam, and they're are being just harassed by their nemesis, their, their, their age-old, their, their harshest enemy, the Assyrians. And the Assyrians were brutal, 
brutal people. Uh, they carved images on their palace of the various ways that they inflicted uh, uh, torture upon people. They would literally, when they killed their enemies, they would skin them. They would skin their enemies like an animal, take their skins and fly them like a flag outside their walls just to intimidate their enemies, to make sure their enemies knew, do not mess with us. We are bad dudes, okay? They, they were brutal people. And they were Israel's uh, nemesis, their arch enemy. And God gave the son of Amittai, Jonah, a word to give to the king. And that word was rebuild the border. In other words, build the wall uh, between us and Assyria. And, uh, and, and Israel did that. And when Israel did that, they had peace, they had prosperity, they had security, and all things were good. Now, because, uh, uh, Nineveh, or because the Assyrians were such hated enemies, Jonah was beloved, you know, because of the word of the Lord that he gave the people. They loved him uh, because of this. Man, he, he, was, he was enjoying some comforts and some popularity. Uh, he was the man in town, you know. He gave the word of the Lord uh, to rebuild the wall. They did to rebuild the border, to secure the borders between them and Assyria. They did. The people loved him. Uh, and, and things were absolutely uh, going great and, and until uh, he got another word from the Lord. And that's going to lead us to Jonah's rebellion, which is the, the very first, uh, th- I think, point that we need to ponder in our lives. Uh, he, he got another word uh, from the Lord, and, 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 and the word was, arise and go to that great city and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. What was the city? Nineveh. Now, here's what we need to understand. Nineveh wasn't just any city. Nineveh was the capital city of who? Assyria. So these are the same enemies. These are the exact same enemies that that, uh, just before Jonah has received a word from the Lord and told the king, rebuild the wall, and all the people love that. Now Jonah gets another word. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to that evil city and share the gospel. Their evil has arisen against me. Their evil, uh, and Jonah's thinking, man, yeah, God, their evil's risen against you. You need to just throw lightning bolts and burn them to the ground. And, but that's not the heart of God, right? And so God says, I want you to go and share the gospel. This would have been very similar uh, if you can think of what this would have been like. It would have been like a Jew being called to go to Nazi Germany in the 1940s to share the gospel with uh, the Germans. That's what it would have been like. And, and so you can imagine that Jonah uh, didn't like uh, what the Lord had told him to do. As a matter of fact, verse three says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now look at the first word here, but. Okay, anytime that you see the word of the Lord or the word of the Lord tells you to do something, tells me to do something, tells Jonah to do something. Anytime the word of the Lord uh, gives us a command and the next word is but, we've got a problem, right? Anytime God's word is clear and the next word is but, we, we have a problem. And, and, and that's exactly uh, what happened here. Unlike Hudson Taylor, who had a word from the Lord, to go uh, to China, Jonah had a word from the Lord to go to Nineveh. But Hudson Taylor went and boarded a boat headed straight to China, and Jonah went and boarded a boat headed directly in the opposite direction as he could. The same man who, who the prophet 
who carried the word of God to the people of God is now on the run from God. Folks, here's a lesson that we can learn from this. You can be close to God and not be committed to God. You can be uh, in the church today. You can be sitting in the seats today. You can be watching online today and, and still be on the run from God. That's what we see from Jonah. A prophet of God is on the run from God, right? And so here's, here's what I want you to understand. Like Jonah, we've all received the word of God. We've all received the word of God. Now, God speaks in different ways. And, and, and you look at Jonah, and I know here's what we think. We think, man, if God would just audibly speak to me like he obviously spoke to Jonah, okay? Now, God has never audibly spoken to me. I've never heard uh, the literal voice of God. Matter of fact, if I told you that I've heard the literal voice of God, uh, you would probably you know, send someone to my house to take me for a psychiatric evaluation, right? I mean, I've never heard literally the voice of God, but God speaks. Now, God speaks in many ways, right? God speaks through people. God speaks through circumstances, uh, God speaks through, uh, you know, as, as we direct our prayers. God speaks in many ways as long as they align with the word of God, right? I, I mean, now, now uh, there are things in your life that you're seeking a word of God. Some of you, you're dating, you're single. Is this the man I marry? Is this the woman I marry? And you go to the word of God and the word of God is not going to name a name and say, Mary, uh, John, right? Mary, Sarah, uh, Mary, uh, the word of God, when Amy and I were dating, uh, you know, the word of God, I didn't go to the word of God and the word of God uh, say, Pat, you need to marry Amy. In the word of God, it doesn't say that, right? I, I never went to my prayer closet. I went to my prayer closet. I never went into the prayer and audibly heard God, you know, with a booming voice, Pat, Mary, Amy. That's not what I, but here's what I, what I did know. When I went to the word of God, I went to the word of God and the word of God told me the type of person I should marry, right? The word of God told me that I should marry someone who, and, and I want you to understand what unequally yoked means, okay? And the, 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 the really the, the ramifications of being unequally yoked are terrible. Unequally yoked doesn't just mean a Christian. I don't believe that you should just lower the bar to, well, okay, they claim to be a Christian. They're a Christian. I don't think you should do that, right? I think that if they don't literally love and pursue the Lord with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, you're gonna be unequally yoked with that person, right? So it's not just a spiritual pulse, but it is a spiritual passion, right? And so, so I knew the type of person, that, that the type of person I had to marry, according to God's word, was a, a, a believer who loved the Lord, Amy, check, right? But that still didn't mean I needed to marry Amy, Right, but now as I prayed, I mean, God, man, put a deep love within my heart. Uh, God put this uh, passion within my heart. I could not. I mean, God began to show me that I couldn't see my life without her. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, we were young. We were young, right? And neither of our, both of our families were supportive. None of our families were like, you know, the people of God in, in our lives. We're like, man, this is, I, I, this is awesome. You guys are, I, I can see, you know, and, and here's the thing, you know, when the people of God, even like in, in marriage, you see the Bible says, uh, you know, not marry someone who has a passion for God, but just because they have a passion for God. So if if pe- the people of God come into your life and say, bro, I think you really need to think about this, you better hit the brakes, okay? Because God speaks through the people of God. Man, you begin to have circumstances that are like, I don't know, man, these are red, fl-. you better pump the brakes, Right? 
I mean, there, there's, there's never going to be this, this complete just, I mean, but you got to look at the people of God, the circumstances, uh, all these different things, and then measure it against the word of God. That's, the word of God has, has come to us. Unlike Jonah, who heard a, a word from God, the Bible wasn't written when Jonah was alive. He was living the Bible. He had the Torah, right? He had the Torah. He had a, a, the, the first five books of the Bible. It was being written. Now we have the full revelation of God in the word of God. That's why it's so important that you live in the word of God so that you'll know what God's word says about marriage. What does God's word say? Because here's, here, here's what happens, just like when Jonah, the word of the Lord has come to each of us on, on, on all these areas, the, the word of the Lord, we've received a word from the Lord. And when we receive a word from the Lord, just like Jonah, uh, uh, there are areas where some of us run. We received a word from the Lord, for instance, on marriage. Not just who you marry, but on marriage. What marriage is, what marriage is like. We've received that word of the Lord, but when we look at Jonah and we say, God, or Jonah, what are you doing? Jonah, you're a fool. I mean, God himself told you to go to Nineveh, and if God himself literally spoke to you and told you to do A, and you said, mm, I'm stiff-arming God and I'm doing B, I don't wanna do what you said, God, all of you would go, Ugh, I don't wanna be around him, right? Well, God has literally told you what to do with your marriage, but when you say, nah, don't make me happy. You're stiff-arming God, and you're Jonah. You're Jonah. He's given you a word from the Lord. When, when God has given us a word from the Lord about our money, and when we say, oh, God, you've given us a word from the Lord, it's just like Jonah. It's just like Jonah when he says to tithe, uh, when he says to be generous with your money. Eh, I like a car, God. I'm going the other direction. Ugh. You know, you're just like Jonah. When, when, when Jonah uh, has given us a word about the church, about our commitment to the church, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. But when we do that, we're just like Jonah. We're stiff-arming God. We're saying, God, you've given me a word, but I'm going in the opposite direction. When, when God gives us a specific word called the Great Commission about sharing the gospel with all nations, that's not for super-Christians, that's not for preachers, that's not for people who are extroverts. That's not for salesmen. That's for you if you're a Christian and you've never shared the gospel. You're just like, God's giving you a word and you're going, I'm stiff-arming God and I'm going the other direction. You see, when God gives a word and like Jonah, we run, we're in trouble. Jonah went down to Joppa. We go to Joppa when we go to Israel. As a matter of fact, uh, we're planning a trip next February. If uh, just want to drop that out there uh, so that you can be planning. We're going to roll that out in a little bit as we get all the details worked. We always go to Joppa. <laughs> and uh, we go to Joppa where Jonah was when he boarded the ship. And to the port there. It's right there. We look at the port where Jonah boarded this ship. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. And it says three times to Tarshish. He found a ship, found a ship going to Tarshish. He boarded a ship going to Tarshish. And here, here's the, the, the deal. Uh, it's hard to really pinpoint where the ancient Tarshish was, was, but the destination is not really what's important. It's the direction. The point is Tarshish was in the opposite direction as Nineveh. And so Jonah was running as far as he could run in the opposite direction. Going to Nineveh would have cost him. Remember, Jonah was beloved in the city because of what his word that he had given them to build the wall, man. They loved him. It would have cost him his reputation. 
It would have cost him to go to Nineveh. It would have cost him his reputation. It would have cost him some comforts. And it might have even, and in his thought, probably even cost him his life. When God gives you a word, it's always costly. But make sure you understand, as Jonah weighed those costs, it is always more costly to rebel than it is to obey. It is always more costly to rebel. The rebellion against God will always cost you more than obeying God. Always. Right? I mean, uh, when God calls us to be a steward of our finances and we rebel, it's going to cost us. I was thinking last night when I got into bed, I was just thinking about this message. I was, Saturday nights when I go to bed and I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying and thinking through the message after I'm reading and, and I'm sitting there thinking and I was thinking, you know what? God's given us a clear word about finances in his, in his word, like Jonah. Amy and I got married young. I was 18 years old. She was 20. I married a cougar. <laughs> and uh, she loved every minute of it. So, so did I. Uh, we got married, and from the moment we got married, at 18 years old, me 18 and her 20, and some of you remember this. Man, we didn't have enough money to buy, you know, loaf of bread hardly. You know my memories, when I think back now, my, most of my memories, you know where they go to? They go back to the times when we had it the roughest and didn't have anything and lived in jank house and, man, didn't live payday to payday. And I think it's just because, man, we had each other. And it formed us. But we got married. I was 18. She was 20. And we made a commitment. Because remember, I married a woman who loved the Lord with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. She just didn't claim to be a Christian. Man, she served the Lord. We both were serving the Lord in our church. We made a commitment at 18. And 20, we will always tithe. We don't have anything. We will always tithe. It was easy when we were 18 and 20. I mean, we're giving $100 a month probably. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Well, that wasn't easy. But we weren't giving much. But we were tithing. And I was thinking last night when I got into bed, and over 37 and a half years of marriage, and I just did a round figure in my head. I, I just want you to understand that's a few hundred thousand dollars now. That's a few hundred thousand dollars. You know what I could have done with a few hundred thousand dollars? You know how much tithing over the last 37 and a half years has cost me? A few hundred thousand dollars. Man, I could have, my house would have been paid off years ago. I could have, man, we could have went to Hawaii. And I said that right because Hawaii, that's normally how I say it. And everybody goes, Hawaii? Well, I'm fine. How are you? You know? <laughs> We could have went to Hawaii every year. Man, I could have been driving the finest diesel, you know, truck, not a one with 100,000 miles on it. And man, it cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. I could have been doing all that. But you know what? I, last night I was thinking, no, let me tell you, if I wouldn't have, it would have cost me so much more. Because here's what I know. If I wouldn't have, I'm not managing my money properly and I would have been in debt. I'd have no debt today except for my house. We have no debt except for our house. How? I don't know. That's just the Lord. We, 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 it's not like we, we have no debt. and we still, God's blessed us immensely. Man, we haven't been to Hawaii, you know, but we could have been. Uh, 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 we, we, it would have cost me so much more because I guarantee you I would have been in debt. 
I guarantee you, because I wouldn't have managed my money, it would have been selfish. I know it would have cost me more. Why? Because God's word says the cost of rebellion is always greater than the cost of obedience. We were married 37 and a half years. Don't you know in 37 and a half years, that woman wanted to kick me out so many times? I know she did. Don't you know in 37 and a half years, in 37 and a half years, as temptations come, one of us could have stepped out very easily. You know, and the cost, oh, the cost would have been so great. You see, if, I, if, if I'm, when a man, I mean, I could have easily stepped out. I could have easily been unfaithful. She could have easily been unfaithful. And here's what we, it would have cost us. It would have cost us the trust and respect of each other, of our kids. It would have cost us probably our marriage. It would have cost us the trust, respect of our kids, our reputation. It would have cost me my career. The cost is always, folks, of rebellion is always much more than the cost of obedience. Always. The Lord has given us a word. He calls us to hard things. He calls us to countercultural things. He calls us to sacrificial things. He calls us, he calls us to unpopular things. And it'll cost you time. It'll cost you money to follow God. It'll cost you friends. I'll promise you it'll cost you. Not, it really won't cost you friends. It'll cost you people to hang out with. But it's never gonna cost you a friend. It'll cost you people to hang out with. Might cost you your job. It'll cost you opportunities. It'll cost you rungs on the corporate ladder. But as Jonah learned, and as I hope we learned through Jonah, the cost of following is always cheaper than the, than the expense of rebellion. It's always cheaper. So that's, that's, that's Jonah's rebellion. Now, now let's, let's look at God's pursuit. You know, uh, Jonah jumps on a boat heading in the opposite direction from Nineveh. God said, go to Nineveh. Jonah said, nah, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I hate those people. God, I think you should hate those people. I think you should kill those people. And so I'm not going there. I'm going in the opposite direction because I, I want to run as far away, God, as I can. And what did God do? Well, we go all the way back to Genesis 3, and we can see what God does. You remember Genesis 3? Adam and Eve, they rebelled. God said, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. Eat from any tree in the garden. Play in it, touch it, do whatever you want, but don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you do, you will die. He told them clearly a word from the Lord. But they, like Jonah, like us, they thought, man, they knew better. They stiff-armed God. They ran the other direction. They ate from the tree. They rebelled. They knew it immediately, and they ran. What did God do? He pursued them. God pursued them. He didn't just let them go. He pursued Adam and Eve. That's what he did with Jonah. Jonah 1.4 says, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that, no, that the ship was threatened to break up. Now, there are two themes that are inescapable in the book of Jonah. One is the sovereignty of God. You're going to see, as a matter of fact, that's on every page of the Bible. I spoke to it last week. It is on every page of the Bible, the sovereignty of God. If you think you are in control of your life, man, I want to put a video camera and sit back and just smile as you realize <laughs> you, you are in control of nothing. God is in control of everything. He is sovereign. And you're going to see the sovereignty of God through this book. And you're also going to see mission, sovereignty and mission, the mission of God for the hearts and souls of people of all nations. 
You're gonna see mission and sovereignty. And because God's heart and mission is for the people of, God, uh, uh, of all nations, uh, his sovereignty is gonna make sure that the people who, uh, are, 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 that are in his kingdom are gonna be in his kingdom. And not any person is gonna stop that. Not one man's rebellion is gonna stop one person that God's gonna save from coming into his kingdom. It doesn't depend upon you, and that's great because if it depended upon me, the weight upon my shoulders as I preach the gospel to you and the message to you would be unbearable. But I stand before you preaching the gospel, not with the weight that it's all on me, but with the absolute pleasure to preach the gospel knowing that the weight is all on God. I can't save anybody. It's all God. It's God's call in in their life. And so you see mission and you see sovereignty which should give you great relief to share the gospel without the weight of what that person does with it, right? And and, and so you see these two themes, and and Jonah boarded a ship to Tarshish, running in the opposite direction, and here's what God did. He hurled a storm upon that, 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 that ocean. He hurled a storm there. A mighty storm, and it was, it was so bad as he's pursuing the prophet that the, the ship was about to break up. And it was so bad that the mariners there, the sailors who worked the ship, I mean, they were scared to death. They started throwing things overboard. Now, you know, if you're like me, man, when I'm on a plane and I fly a lot, I've got a lot of air miles and a lot of, lot, lot, you know, going to different places to share the gospel or different conferences, different speaking engagements. I, I, I fly a lot. And, you know, when I fly, there's been times as you fly a lot, uh, man, I've run into a lot of, uh, you know, situations that could be a little scary, right? I mean, man, I've been over the ocean, over the Pacific, over the Atlantic, and I, we've run into turbulence that legitimately, uh, you know, the, the, the bends start falling, and I mean, man, you're, and it lasts, and it lasts, and, and, and here's, here's the thing. Man, if the pilot comes on, and if the pilot, you know, when we're in the midst of that turbulence, if the pilot comes on, the pilot says, ladies and gentlemen, man, you might want to just keep your seatbelts buttoned up there. We're, we're going to experience some turbulence for the next little bit. And man, we'll get in and out, out of it. But man, just for the next few bit, just keep your seatbelts buttoned. And you know, you're, you're pretty calm because he sounds calm. But man, you get on there and, 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 and now what's going to happen if the pilot comes on and says, hey, ladies and gentlemen, I need you to pray right now. I mean, you, at that point, you're like, I'm, we're done. Well, that's what Jonah's situation, all these mariners that do this for a living, I mean, man, they've been in big daddy storms before, you know that. They've encountered storms, and they're running around, throwing everything overboard, saying, we're doomed. I mean, you know, that, that's what's happening here. And, and, and they're, they're running around, and, 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 and man, they run, and they try to find Jonah, and they find Jonah, and what's Jonah doing? He's sleeping. And they say, what are you doing? Wake up, you sleeper, and call out to your God. Maybe he'll hear us. Here's a lesson for us. Here's another lesson for us. Your sin, your rebellion is never in a vacuum. It doesn't just affect you. You're not an island. You're not, you know, this, God didn't create this world, uh, you know, and where you're not, we're connected and your sin is never in a vacuum. It's always going to affect those and drag those. Jonah's sin was about to shipwreck a lot of lives. Jonah's sin was about to pull a lot of lives into the ocean. Uh, his sin pulled a lot of lives into his storm. And they didn't even know him. What do you think your sin's going to do to your kids? What do you think your sin's going to do to your spouse? What do you think your sin's going to do to your 
work associates. What do you think your sin's gonna do to your church? The people who know you. You will not and you cannot sin and rebel against God without pulling everyone in your orbit into your sin and the consequences of your sin. It can't happen. God's given you a word about marriage. Rebel against that and see what it does to your kids. God's given you a word about money. Rebel against that. See what it does to your finances. God's, uh, or all you gotta do is look. God's given you a word about forgiveness and relationships. Rebel against that. Do your own thing because you deserve it and see what it does to your soul and bitterness and see what it then it causes and does to everybody around you. You cannot rebel in a vacuum. It's going to suck everybody in your life in. So the mariners, they, they're, they're freaking out and, you know, and, and, and they ask Jonah to get up and ask him, pray to his God. That didn't work. And so what do they do? They cast lots. They, they, they sort of rolled the dice and who did it come up on? And it come up snake eyes on Jonah, okay? He's the man. He's the reason for this. And here's what it says in verse nine. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. You see, they worship the gods, remember, in that day, but now they realize Jonah worships Yahweh. He worships God, capital G. They've heard of this God. Man, they've heard how this God uh, you know, the, 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 the 10 plagues in Egypt and how God brought them out of Egypt. They've heard of how this God parted the Red Sea. They've heard about how God, the sun standing still in, in AI. They've heard about the walls of Jericho tumbling down. They've heard about all this stuff. And, and, as, and now they, this is Jonah's God and they are terrified because now this God, and they fully believe this is, you know, they believe that all these gods, but this was the God. And they were terrified because now they were in his crosshairs. They were terrified, and, and so, so they, they began to call out. Uh, they began to call out, and, 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 and man, they began to call out to this guy. And Jonah says, just throw me overboard. It's me, throw me overboard. They didn't want to throw him overboard. I mean, that's, man, we're culpable this man's life. They, but, but man, they didn't want to throw Jonah kept insisting, and then they looked out, and they took a wave, and they're like, get him out of here, and they threw him overboard, right? They throw Jonah overboard, and, 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 and Jonah begins to sink to the bottom of the ocean. But the credits didn't roll, that's not where the story ends, you see. Even though Jonah made a mess of his ministry and a mess of his life and it had affected a lot of people, uh, that's not where the story ends. Uh, you know, he's sinking in the consequences of his sin, but God wasn't done with him. In fact, look, look, at, look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, and the Lord appointed. Oh, wait a minute. Man, that was just so cool that Jonah uh, was thrown out of that boat and this, this fish happened to be coming by at that time. Folks, there is no such thing as coincidence. There's no such thing as luck. The Lord appointed God as sovereign, just like we saw last week. Your days are numbered. There's no, no such thing as somebody dying on a random death on a random day. The Lord appointed he appointed this great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You think that's pointing to something? I think we hear this story of Jonah and think of the whale as, as this vehicle, this thing that God is using to punish Jonah. 
It, it, it's the, it, you know, it, it's the, uh, uh, the, the vehicle that God's using to get vindication against Jonah. But flip your perspective just a little bit. Jonah wasn't swallowed by fish as an act of punishment. It was an act of grace. It was God's grace, not God's punishment. God had begun a good work in Jonah, as we will, Paul will later say, and he will complete it. He will complete it. He'd be faithful to bring it to completion. The more Jonah rebelled, the more God pursued. Some of you today need to hear this word. You're in rebellion, God's pursuing. God's not sitting back with his arms crossed, going, you fool. You know, God's not sitting back like we do with our kids, going, how many times do I have to tell you? God's pursuing. He's chasing you. He's running after you. Because his grace is absolutely amazing. And what do you do with this message today? What, what do you do with what we've learned in the first chapter of Jonah? Well, let's go back to the very first question. What's our response? Let's go back to the very first question. Who is Jonah? Now, I believe that this story, there's people might tell you in, in, in liberal thinkers that will tell you that this story is not a real story. It's just there to teach us a lesson. It, it's just, you know, I mean, a whale swallowing a man. And he, folks, I, I want you to know, I believe it's a real deal story. Jesus referenced this story as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights. Uh, so will the son of man be in the grave three days. Jesus referenced this story as a real story. I believe the Bible, and I believe this story is a real story. It's not just a story to teach us, it's real, okay? But I believe we can also look at this story of Jonah, and we say, who is Jonah? Well, I'm Jonah. You're Jonah. You're Jonah. It's easy to shake our heads in disbelief and remember Jonah for his disobedience, but what about us, as we've already talked about today? We're Jonah every time we disobey the word of the Lord. Every time we stiff-arm God and call out against God's word in our life. We're all Jonah in some area of our life. There's basically, uh, the immediate context is, are you rebelling against God and sharing the gospel? Are you rebelling against God because we see the mission of God? And it's not just for people we like. It's not for people who look like us. It's not for people who think like us or speak the same language as we do, have the same moral view as we do, the same values as we do. It's for all people of all nations. Are you sharing the gospel? That's the first immediate context. And if not, we're in rebellion against God. But in generality, like Jonah, we've all received the word of God. Unlike Jonah, see, we have the benefit of having the full revelation of God, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. The canon of scripture is closed. There'll be no more scripture written. We have the full revelation of God, and it has a word, a word for us on marriage, a word for us on money, a word for us on forgiveness, a word for us on sex, a word for us on sexuality a word for us on gender. It has a word for us on, on civil rights. It has a word for us on God's heart for all of these issues. It has a word for us. And where are we in rebellion? 
Where are we in rebellion? Where are you in rebellion? I would ask you to repent because God's pursuing you and sometimes that pursuit results in a storm in your life. And here's what I need you to understand. Maybe some of you are going through that storm right now and if you're going through that storm, you need to understand that that storm in your life is not God trying to pay you back, it's God trying to get you back. That's what that storm is about. But you know what the, the answer for the relief in that storm? Repentance. It's repentance. Today, would you learn from Jonah? Whatever area you've heard a word from the Lord in the Bible and where you're rebelling today, would you confess that? Would you repent from that? Because God is pursuing you. And what do we see in Scripture? Don't be afraid that he's going to get you. What do we see in Scripture when Adam stops, when Jonah... God is gracious. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's gentle and lowly in spirit and he's running to you with arms open of grace, not fists closed for vengeance, but arms of grace that are wide open. Will you stop running today? Will you repent in whatever area you've heard a word from the Lord that he has given us in his scripture? Now, we're, we're going to celebrate and, and participate in communion today. Uh, and, and a communion is simply for us a time when we do exactly what I've said. We remember the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And, uh, but we do it, Paul also told us that we use it as a time to contemplate and do some introspection and say, where have you heard the word of the Lord in his scripture? And are you in rebellion? Would you confess and repent and experience his loving grace today? See, we have this bad image of God. Some of it's from our own daddies that God is wanting to punish us and get us back. God is wanting to lavish his grace and love on the center. Today, as we do this, would you contemplate if our deacons will come forward uh, and we're gonna begin to just hand out, they're gonna pass this out and as they pass out communion, you take uh, one and uh, it's just a cup and it's, it's very uh, easy, you can't spill it until you take the, the top off of it. So just take it and hold it and, and in a moment we'll all take it together as our deacons uh, begin to, to pass it out. Go ahead, guys, when you grab one and just take off and, and let's get it, get, it, get it given out. And as they uh, get this given out, what we're going to do is I want you to take this and in a moment, it's got a little piece of bread in the top. It's got a, some juice on in, in the juice container. Uh, we use juice here. I always want to remind you there may be someone new, and it's not alcohol. Jesus used wine. Uh, we don't uh, today because uh, you, uh, some pe people have, you know, issues that could set you back. You don't have to worry. It's juice. And so uh, there's a piece of bread. There is a, uh, a, a juice. This is the reminder of the body and the blood of Christ. We, rem we remember that uh, because the night before he died, he set this apart so that we would remember, so that we would have the opportunity to uh, remember his death. It's for Christians. If you're a Christian, take this. If your child is with you and they're not a Christian, withhold uh, because this is for those who have the blood of Jesus applied to their life. And so as we do this, Paul told us to contemplate, to think back what area of sin is in our life that we uh, are stiff-arming and rebelling against the word of God. He's given you a word. Is it in your marriage? 
Is it in your finances? Is it in forgiveness as you are bitter towards somebody in your family or a friend? It, 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 what, what is it? Is it uh, uh, something with your kids? Uh, what area of your life are you stiff-arming God and rebelling? There is no exception. You might be like Jonah running, but God's pursuing. Today, would you contemplate? Would you repent? Would you confess? Would you repent? And uh, we'll, we'll take this together in just a moment. Right now, would you just uh, bow your heads and as they're passing out, grab your thing as they pass out. But if you've got it, bow your heads right now, would you please? Right now, would you just begin to contemplate your life? From Genesis to Revelation, God's given his word. What part of his word are you, like Jonah, in rebellion against right now? Running in the opposite direction. God's heart is for you in grace, not in retribution. Yeah, there's consequences, always consequences for rebelling against God. But God's not a God who wants to pour his retribution out upon you. He wants to pour his grace upon you. Would you receive that today? In whatever area of your life you're in rebellion, would you repent of that, confess it between you and God? Maybe it's that you've been very lackadaisical in your commitment. Maybe you have been very lackadaisical in your relationship with the Lord. You've not spent time in his word. You've not had a quiet time, a time where you just spend time in communion with the Lord. Maybe your church attendance has been, I mean, so wishy-washy and, and it's not been because you had to work or that you had, I mean, that, that, that there was a legit, it's just, sometimes it was, but sometimes it's just face it, you like, man, it's just easy to not go. I just watch on. Maybe it's your church. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's something you're putting in your mind or maybe you're addicted to pornography. God has given you a clear word about the purity of purity, sexual purity, what you put in your mind. Maybe you're stiff-arming God running the opposite direction. I, I can mention many, but I pray the Holy Spirit just convicts you right now. Would you confess? Would you repent? Father, we love you and we thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that you are a God who is gentle and lowly. You are a God who is, whose uh, burden, burden, yoke is easy and your burden is light. You are a God right now with outstretched arms of grace. And I pray that right now you would convict, you would draw, we would confess, and we would receive your forgiveness and your grace. God, I pray that we would be a people who are just absolutely overwhelmed with your grace to the point that we could not shut up about it. We can't be quiet about it. We can't stay home about it. Lord, because of it, we have to act. And God, I, I, I pray today, Father, that we would be new 
we would let you change us into who you are. Thank you that you set aside communion so that we would remember your death that would point to your grace to cover our sins. And even when we're Christians, Lord, the gospel's not just for salvation. It is to bring us closer to you. And I pray today we would remember that and be brought closer to you. Thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed in Jesus' name. Amen. That night, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he passed it around. He said, this is my body. Take, eat, and remember. Take that top off. Take that piece of bread. Eat and remember that body of Christ. Then he took the wine and he passed it around as a symbol of his blood. Blood represented his life. I'm giving my life for you. This is a new covenant. My blood of the new covenant. Drink and remember his death. Folks, today, I hope as we've, as we've dove into Jonah, we'll be uh, going through Jonah for the next few weeks. We're gonna learn some amazing stuff. I hope we become, we see a relentless God. We become a relentless people on a relentless mission. And we have a relentless commitment to that God and his church and his word. And I hope God does some great things in your life. And I hope it's begun today. If today, if God is, has shown you some things that you have been rebelling against, that you've been like Jonah, that you, and you've confessed those, tell those to someone. Could be your small group leader. It could be us. Let us walk with you and help with that. Maybe you want to come today as Travis and the band comes out to lead us. Maybe you want to come and pray. Maybe you want to come back and speak to someone. Uh, just obey God. What God calls you to do right now, don't run from him. Always obey God. The cost of uh, obedience will always far, 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 far be less than the cost of rebellion. Obey him today. Let's all stand. Uh, Travis, would you lead us in a time of worship and response? And you, you just do now what God has called you to do. Church, God bless you. Uh, as uh, Travis will release you, come back each and every week for this and bring someone with you.